All right. Now, before I have you stand for the reading of the word of the Lord, I'm going to uh, give you a background, fill in how we got here for those who are, of you who are new. We're going through a study through the um, gospel according to John. We took a look at Nicodemus, uh, how he came to Jesus at night. Jesus was, uh, excuse me, Nicodemus was the third wealthiest man in all of Israel. He was the re- religious ruler and the political ruler of, of Israel. And um, he, he said, we know, Jesus, you are come from God, for no one can do the signs you do uh, unless he, he comes from God. We know you're a teacher come from God. And, and it wasn't, it, Jesus wasn't a teacher come from God. He was God coming to teach. And, and Nicodemus starts to understand these things, and he talks about being born again, and Jesus says, you must be born again. He gives the imperative. He talks about what it means to be born of the Spirit. We've covered that, what it means to be born again, what it means to be a Christian. And now we've come to this place where you know Nicodemus was still struggling. He really won't come to a, f- a faith in Christ until later in the book of John because he's still under the illusion that his power and his wealth and his morality is going to save him. And your money's not going to save you. Your morality's not going to save you. Um, you know, your wealth isn't going to save you. Only Jesus saves. And you, you trust him. And, and in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. You may be a good person, but you're not godly. What I mean by that is you may be good if, if, if we're looking at mankind as a standard. You may be able to say, well, I'm better than Rob McCoy. And, and, um, and I would say that's not hard to do, right? And, and I'm not the standard. Christ is. And, and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And you're going to stand before a holy God when you breathe your last and give an accounting of your life. He's going to say, why should I have you enter? And you say, well, because I'm a good person, good compared to my son, good compared to the living God. This is my heaven. This is my dwelling. Sin doesn't reign here. These are people that are wholly surrendered to the God who created them. And you say, well, I'm good compared to Rob McCoy. And he goes, who? Right? (laughs) that's not the standard. The standard is complete righteousness. And the only way to obtain that is not by what you do or who, how much you, you're worth or, or how political, how much power you have. It's, it's weighed on Christ's righteousness put on your account. You receive his gift by faith. His righteousness is accredited to you. It's a free gift. You just have to ask. And if you're too prideful to ask, then you, you're in trouble because you'll stand before God and say, I'm a good person. God says, depart from me. I have no idea what you're talking about. There's, you know, Jesus even said to the, to the rich young ruler, he said, only God is good. You call me a good rabbi. Only God is good. Do you know who you're talking to? This is the Lord speaking. So we saw this with, with Nicodemus. He's struggling he was under the illusion that his power and his position and his morality and his wealth um, were something he didn't want to let go of. And we contrast that with John chapter 4, where we've been for the last two weeks, three weeks. This woman in Samaria, the first time Jesus reveals himself to be the Messiah, to be the Christ, the one who came from the Father to save the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, Messiah, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So he gives his son, the very first time that Jesus reveals himself to be the Messiah is not to an Orthodox Jew, it's not to a, a, a religious leader like Nicodemus. He doesn't reveal himself to be the Messiah to anyone except for the first time, the Samaritan woman. Now, Jews and Samaritans, it's an understatement to say that they hate each other. I mean, it, that's not even a big enough description. 
uh, Jews would say in the Mishnah that a Samaritan woman was unclean from birth, which means that from birth to death, uh, a Samaritan woman was in a perpetual menstrual cycle and no Jewish man could ever be around her. It was so bad that if a Samaritan was walking down the street, the sun was shining, uh, that, that if the shadow was cast, the Jew would step out of the way of the shadow so as not to... They hated each other, and a Samaritan would do the same with a Jew. It was, it was easy to go from Galilee to, to J- Jerusalem, from Judea to Galilee. The quickest route was through Samaria. They would go around Samaria. They hated each other. So Jesus is fascinating. In John chapter 4, he reveals himself to be the Messiah, not to a Jew, not to a religious leader. He reveals himself to be the Messiah to a Samaritan woman, not just a Samaritan woman, a Samaritan woman who'd been married five times and was living with a man, a Samaritan woman who had given up all, any, any type of appearance of having any morality whatsoever. She, she, this is who I am, deal with it. I don't need the whole marriage game. I live with a guy because he provides a roof. I don't love him. I need him. He doesn't love me. He needs me. We exchange whatever it is each of us needs, and we're going through life. Deal with it. <laughs> and in the midst of this, Jesus, Jesus touches her heart. She wants to debate, you know, um, this is Jacob's well, and it was given to us by Jacob, our father, and we worship in Mount Gerizim, and we're, you know, and she's way off theologically. Jesus doesn't even deal with that. He just goes right to her heart. He says, I want to give you living water. And she's thinking, oh, okay, another man who's going to give me living water, doesn't even have a bucket to draw with. That's every man's promised me. He's, he's God himself, okay? And I've met all those guys, and you're just like him. You don't even have a bucket, mister. With the water I want to give you, you'll never thirst again. Oh, well, so give me the water he says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. We're not going there. And then she goes back to the whole theological thing. Our fathers worshiped on Mount. And Jesus goes right to it. And he says, you're, you're correct when you say you don't have a husband. You've had five and the one you're living with isn't your husband. She says, I perceive you're a prophet, right? And she's moved by this. She's so touched that she runs back to the town where she's from, Sychar. She goes back and tells the men of the city, and they're like, oh, you did what? <laughs> she goes back to the men in the city. He told me everything I've ever done. And the men are like, everything you've ever done, you did with us. <laughs> what did you tell him? Is he coming here? He's not going to come near my house, is he? Right? She went back and told the men in the city. And, and they were stunned. Because they saw in her something that was transformed. This wasn't the same hardened woman. There's something different about her. And, it, and, and the whole city was moved, and that's where we're going to pick up this morning. So if you'd stand for the reading of the word of the Lord, we're going to take a look at what happens. John chapter 4, picking up at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified. Everyone say Testified. Let's try it again. Testified. Because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ the savior of the world. First time it's declared, not by Jews, but by Samaritans. Now, after the two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. So he leaves 
Samaria and he's going to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. He's going back to where he was from and, and, and nobody cares about him. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him having seen all the things he did. Everyone say he did. In Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. Now, while you're standing, I'm going to read. You don't need to turn there. Uh, These are the last words of Jesus before he's taken up into heaven at the end of his earthly ministry. So we're at the beginning of his earthly ministry here in John 4. We're going to fast forward to the end of his earthly ministry, Luke 24. They're already experiencing in John 4 what Jesus commanded his disciples to do in Luke 24. Watch this. Final words of Jesus before he's taken up. Jesus said to them, Luke 24, Jesus said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So he goes through the Pentateuch, he goes through all the prophets and he goes through the Psalms concerning him, messianic scriptures. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. He then said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer to to be crucified, buried, and resurrected on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem, thousand oaks. And you are witnesses of these things. Witnesses. Everyone say witness. Witness. Everyone say testify. testify. Same words. I'll explain it in a moment. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. We'll cover that in a moment. He then led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands, blessed them. And as it came to pass while he was blessing them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Ha! Ha! Let's pray. Lord, we ask your blessing on the study of your word. Thank you, God, for the open hearts that are here to receive. Lord, just uh, minister, we pray, powerfully as only you can. No man can do what you do. And Lord, we wouldn't even try, but your word doesn't return void. I pray you touch hearts. And so Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. And we give you all the glory in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So Luke 24 is the end of Jesus's earthly ministry. John four is the beginning of Jesus's earthly ministry. Luke 24, Jesus is instructing the apostles who've walked with him for three years. John 4, he's watching an entire city transform because one woman is already believing and, and the apostles still don't quite get it, okay? But what's fascinating about both of these passages is I had you repeat uh, when we looked at John chapter 4, verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Jesus because of the word of the woman who, what, testified. How'd you say the word testify? Testify means to give witness, to bear witness, testify in a court of law, to be a witness in a court of law. Your testimony is your truth. What you're declaring to the people who are present, you're testifying, you're bearing uh, witness of the truth. And this idea of witness is the same as testify. Witness is the same as testify. It comes from the Greek word martyr, right? Martyrios. Martyr. We think of martyr, somebody who dies for their faith. Uh, our Arab Christian brothers and sisters in the Arab world are being martyred for their faith. They're being killed for their faith. Uh, we, we go through history and we can think of uh, the apostle Mark was, was dragged behind a chariot to death. Uh, James was beheaded. Nathan was, uh, the, the, Nathaniel, excuse me, was, was skinned 
He was, he was skinned alive and then he was crucified. Philip was hanged. Uh, Andrew was crucified. Matthew was beheaded. The apostle Paul was beheaded. Luke was crucified. Thomas was impaled in India on a stake. And, and we also know that Peter was crucified upside down in the presence of his wife. And we look at all these, and this is Fox's book of martyrs. They were martyred. They died for their faith. So we get this word witness, martyr, testify, martyrios, all in the same context. Now, here's how it applies to Luke 24, and we'll come back to John 4. Jesus said to them in Luke 24, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Jesus Christ, the Christ, the Messiah, to suffer, mean crucified, buried, and then rise from the dead on the third day. Crucified, buried, resurrected. Crucified, buried, resurrected. Crucified, buried, resurrected. And they're, they're supposed to, to declare this, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning Jerusalem. And you are witnesses, martyrios, you're witnesses, you're testifying of these things. And you'll have the ability to do that when my Holy Spirit comes upon you, and it's a preposition in the Greek of how God's Spirit works in the lives of men. You have this picture, and I've used it oftentimes, but you have this picture where you, you have the Holy Spirit right here is alongside, that's para. There's three prepositions in the Greek for how the Holy Spirit works in the lives of man and in mankind. So you actually can't have any water in that. Give me just a second. Okay, I'm good. And that's not going to be enough water, so we're going to have to do some more. Oh, jeepers. Okay, we'll do it this way. Little cap, little tiny cap. Now we're good. Now we're good. Stay there. Don't you go anywhere. So the Holy Spirit comes alongside all mankind. Para, parallel lines alongside. He's with all mankind, convicting them of sin. They would say that half of the mental institutions would be emptied if people could only deal with guilt. Guilt is conviction, right? People try to drug it away, they can't. They try to drink it away, they can't. They try to sex it away, they can't. That is, we, we live with conviction. We're under a God who, who we're accountable to. We can run, we can hide, but there's nowhere on the earth we can go. As King David said, I can go to the highest mountain or the depths of the sea. Where will I go that I won't be away from you? You're all, you know all things. All things are laid bare before your eyes. We can try to pretend he's not there. We can come up with fanciful ideas that God doesn't exist. We can run from him. We can, we can do whatever we want. But we still live with guilt. We still live with conviction. Our hearts can be hardened, but the Holy Spirit comes alongside to bring that conviction, to say, God is here. You know you've done wrong. I'm here to forgive you. I'm I'm here to reconcile you. I'm here to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I'm I'm here to give you power to walk in a way I I created you to walk. And so when you receive that and you say, God, I, I want you to do that, then the Bible says, and he comes in you. and He comes in your life. And you are a temple, Holy Spirit. And so there he is, he's in you. That's E-N in the Greek preposition. And what we read in this passage of scripture is the Holy Spirit. He says, you will be a witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now it's really ridiculous. (laughs) The idea is, it saturates everything about you. It's not what you do, it's who you are. And now the sermon's over because I can't read my notes. (laughs) My point is this. Jesus was saying in Luke 24, you will witness these things, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, 
Repentance and remission of sins. Repentance means to change. Folks, I once was going this way and I realized I was wrong and I turned and I embraced the cross. I repented. I turned 180 degrees. Remission of sin. I knew that in me, that is in my flesh, the things that I didn't want to do, I was doing those things and the things I wanted to do, I wasn't doing those things. I was struggling. And, and I, I just said, God, would you, would you cleanse me of my unrighteousness? I, 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 I hate this. The people I love, I hurt. Help me, God. The, the, the drugs I don't want, I can't let go of. I, I have no ability to say no. I'm driven by the culture. Help me, God. And, and he, he forgives me and cleanses me of all unrighteousness. And there's a remission, a cleansing of sin, past, present, future. He casts him as far as east is from the west to be remembered no more. I turn to him, he cleanses me. I turn to him, he cleanses me. This is salvation. And it comes by the realization that the wages of sin is death, but I don't die. He does because he was crucified in my place. He was without sin, paid my penalty, and put his righteousness on my account, and I receive that by faith. It's a gift. And you go, wow. So when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and, and you're so overwhelmed, you just, you just touch everybody with this as my podium is saturated, right? And, and you see this, that you are witnesses of these things when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, that being said, we'll come back to John 4, but I want to jump real quick. Jesus reappears to the disciples in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, at the very beginning, he says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his authority. Let me stop there for a minute. Luke 24, last words of Jesus before he's taken up into heaven. He says to them, thus it is written that the Christ is necessary for him to suffer, be crucified, resurrected on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be uh, preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are to be witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Everybody got that? Let me bless you now. And he blesses you. Domino Fristia Spiritus Santo and it's his blessing. All of a sudden, he's taken up and they're like, oh. And he's taken up into heaven. Ah. What did he say we're supposed to do? Real simple. Preach the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, repentance, and remission of sins. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Are we Calvinist or Arminius? Pre-trib or post-trib? Do we use church pews or seats? Can we have guitars in church? Or just no, no syncopated rhythms? What kind of church government? Presbyterian, Episcopal, Congregational, or that weird Calvary Chapel thing? Hello? Are we pre-millennial? No, 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 no. Make it real simple. You preach the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, repentance, and remission of sins. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> and then he reappears and he emphasizes it. He says it to the church. He says, therefore, when they come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you this time restore the kingdom? He returns. They're like, oh, we had questions for you. Are you going to be restoring the kingdom? I mean, are we going to, how's it going to operate? Are the Romans going to be a part of this? Or is America going to be in province? Where, where does this all fit? How does, how, whoa, Jesus says to them, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the father has put in his own authority. Just shut it. I have something to say and you're doing this. You need to do this. 
He says, you will receive dynamic dunamis power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, right? And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then he was taken up again. That's the same thing he said before. This Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be witnesses. You mean we won't witness? Yeah, it's not what you do, it's who you are. Oh, and the only way that I can be a witness is that if I remember what you said in Luke 24, that I have to testify the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. I have to be an eyewitness of the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. And I have to preach repentance and remission of sins. And then the Holy Spirit will come upon me and I will be a witness. It's not going to be what I do. It's who I am. Yes, yes. And, and that's going to be the power of God upon me and it's going to be touching lives. Yes. How? Well, the word witness is the secret. Witness, yes, testify, witness, testify. John 4, woman, Samaria. You see, witness, testify, martyr, martyrios. Paul would describe it even more powerfully. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you, the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I want to know the power of his resurrection, Paul would go on to say. Wow, this one I really can't read. He would say in Philippians chapter three, he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. By any means I may obtain resurrection. He's just saying, I, 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 all that is lost to me. I want to know Jesus Christ and him crucified. I want that to be me. He would write in Galatians, Paul would, for, I build, for if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. Paul says, I, Paul, have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer Paul who lives, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when we look at power, we see this, this word dunamis, and it's, it's used in the church. Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8, power. Holy Spirit power. Praise God. And it will come upon you, and you will feel the power of God. Do you feel it? No? Okay, let me keep working. Hang on, I'll slick my hair back. I'll wear a white suit and I'll breathe on you. <sighs> Praise God. And when, when you preach in the power of the Holy Spirit, it will come upon you. And you know how to manifest yourself? It will manifest itself in the speaking of tongues. Well, that may be the case. And I got news for you. I remember somebody prayed with me to receive tongues. I believe tongues are a gift of the Holy Spirit. I believe gifts are for today. And I remember he was praying for me. He goes, you got to prime the pump, brother. You got to prime the pump. I go, what do you prime the pump? How do, how do, you, how do you prime the pump? He goes, just, just repeat after me. Shit about a Hyundai. You mean like the car? Shit about a Hyundai? How about a shit about a Honda? I like Hondas better. Shit about a Honda. Shit about a Honda. And depending on the car that you want is the language you speak, I think. I'm not sure. I thought it was silly. 
Now, that being said, I know that the Holy Spirit makes intercessions with groanings too deep for words. I've, I've seen the gift of tongues used and the gift of interpretation of tongues used. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I've, I've heard a word of knowledge. I've heard a word of prophecy. I've seen things that are amazing. And I believe every bit of it. But the church in Corinth that Paul wrote about, he said in, in the very first chapter as he was speaking to the church at Corinth when he said, I, I, I didn't want to know anything among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he said to this church in Corinth, he said, you come short in no gift. You have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You got them all. He says, and you are so screwed up. And they were. A, a father was sleeping with his a son was sleeping with his father's wife. They were drunk at the communion table. There was divisions. He even goes on in verse 10 to say, I'll speak the same thing and there to be no divisions among you. I plead with you, brethren. You're divided. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Paul. I'm of, the church was screwed up. They had every gift. Should have been a Hyundai. Should have been a Hyundai. Everybody was doing something. That's not, see, that's not the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, what does it do? Jesus said it in Luke 24. Jesus said it in Acts 1.8. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you testify to the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, remission, and repentance. And you have to testify. You have to be a martyr, a witness of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. How do you witness if you didn't see it firsthand? Because you live it. I, Rob McCoy, have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. You see, Christians love to give their opinion and not their testimony. And we think that there's power in being right. But the Bible says, speak the truth in love. Greater love has no man than this and to lay down his life for a friend. Otherwise, you're a clanging cymbal and a sounding brass and nobody gives a rip. And Christians are notorious for saying, staying in our enclaves and our monasteries and telling the world how wrong they are because we are stewards of the truth and we create these libraries with endless books of how we have it all documented in our case and we're right. And we stay in those walls behind our books and we throw bombs out. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. And they're back there going, well, maybe we are, but why would we ever want to be in there? You're mean. We may be wrong, but you're mean. And Jesus says, greater love has no man than this and to lay down his life for a friend. While you were yet a sinner, I died for you. We, we, we look at, we look at the, the witness, the testimony of the apostles we look at Mark being dragged behind a chariot, James being beheaded, Nathan being skinned alive and crucified, or Nathaniel, Philip being hung, or hanged. We go through all of that. We think, they're martyrs. No, 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 no. 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 Martyrdom, they didn't become martyrs when they died. They died to themselves long before they were murdered. They were martyrs the entirety of their ministry. If it's confusing, let me explain. Your testimony, your witness, martyrios, comes with the clarity of your message and the content of your character. You want to be great in God's kingdom? Be a servant of all. What does that mean? That means die to yourself, be crucified, live to others. Your power isn't in your knowledge. Your power isn't in your giftings. Your power is in your ability 
to be a witness of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Experiential witness because it happened in my life. I don't understand. How are, you, how are we crucified with Christ? I'll help you with it. I'll show you how to be a martyr every moment of your life so that when the time comes, people will see in you a witness and a testimony that you're the real deal. Let's begin with husbands. Because I'm one. And I can relate to this, so I will share it. Rob McCoy has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer Rob who lives, it's Christ who lives in him, willing to do his good pleasure. I want to know Jesus Christ and him crucified and the power of his resurrection. I want to see that embodied in my life. I want to have a witness. I want to, I want to be a witness. I want it to be my life. God says, okay. Ready? Yes. Are you tired? I'm very tired, Lord. Okay, it's time for bed. Yes, Lord. I go to bed. You know what a bed's for. Sleeping. Amen. A pillow to put your head on. Very comforting. I go to bed, ready, I'm tired, put my head on the pillow. I hit that big switch in Rob's life. Everything's winding down, all the power's shutting down. Bad, glorious, bad. My wife, next to me, she looks at the bed, she goes, oh, office. End of day, time to talk. Why are your lights on? What are you doing? Let's talk. I don't want to talk. I'm tired. Why do we? I was. You. No. Sleepy. Winding down. Off switch. I know, but I have lots to share with you and I want to talk. I don't have any more words. Could, could you just go to. You're irritating me, woman. That's my life. My wife loves to talk when, when, when I'm ready to go to bed. 25 years of marriage, she still doesn't get it. <laughs> I have tried and I've tried and I've tried. But I've never died. And he died and he say, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you come upon me? that I would be crucified, that I would associate myself with the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, that I would be crucified, that Jesus might live so I can testify, have a testimony, martyrios, that I would die to myself and live to my wife. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for a friend. Honey, Lord, would you fill me with your spirit that I would be attentive? God, take my life. I die to Rob McCoy and I live to you, Lord Jesus, and you've called me to love my wife. And all of a sudden, it's not an irritation. It's not a frustration. I'm a new creature in Christ. Christ lives for me and I'm listening. And she's like, thank you for listening. This week, I was, I was this last month, I've been moved by Brett. And forgive me if I, I use a political illustration, but I have to because it, it, was bug, it was bugging me. Brett has been kind of responsible for signs around town and one candidate whose name will not be shared and no, I'm not going to say it rhymes with, okay. <laughs> S- complained to me about the signs. You know, illegal, illegal signs, illegal signs. Said, okay, Brett, would you handle that? Sure, I'm on it. Brett sends these lovely notes. Within 24 hours, whatever sign, he removes it. He said, praise the Lord, I'll get that for you. Oh, you bet. And just a servant's heart and always encouraging. Only three days left in the campaign and praying for you and God bless you. And every time its response is kind of frustrating, cruel and mean. And, and I'm watching this and, and I'm reading it going, oh, and Brett's like, hey, praise the Lord. Let's just get that fixed. We're t- okay, we're on that. And sending a nice email off. And I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll give him a piece of my mind. 
And one particular, they said, you need to remove the sign. Brett pulls up to remove the sign. Somebody already has the sign. It's one of our big ones, expensive ones. Has it up and, and Brett goes, hey, I was just here to remove that. And he goes, well, too bad. He goes, well, what are you going to do with it? He goes, I'm going to throw it away. He goes, why don't you give it to me? He goes, no, uh. I'm like, well, first of all, it's illegal to remove the sign, but, you know, I was like, okay. Uh, I, was, I was there going, oh, that's illegal. You know, and you go through the whole thing, you know, the law. But I've been crucified. I'm dead to the law. I'm alive to Christ. And, and I'm thinking, give me back my stinking sign. Give, give me my sign. Give me my sign. I want my sign. And, the, and, and, and you get angry. And the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And I have no witness when I'm angry. And so the Lord says, Rob, do you love me? Yes. Guess who else I love? Who? Your opponent. <clears throat> well, you are screwed up, Lord. You obviously don't get it. <laughs> no, I do. Rob, you love that person. Learn from Brett, who's learned from me. If you can't follow me, follow him who follows me. All right, Lord. And, and, and the amazing thing is he empowers us by his spirit to yield and to die. And then you start praying for that person and then he gives you love. And then you start realizing, Rob, do you want, is it about a sign to you or is it about serving me? Rob, let it go. Those aren't your enemies. They're, they're opportunities for you to witness, be a witness, die. I remember my mother used to frustrate me. She's gone to be with the Lord. There are days I miss her, and other days I'm like, thank you, God, for taking her home. I mean, I do, I miss her, but I'm happy she's there. Because I could imagine what a certain circumstance would be if she was still here. And she, she had this ability to get on your nerves at times. I remember one time, so insulting, so aggravating. And she, she insulted me and my family, and I was just, that's it. I'm done with you, woman. And Marty kept saying, you got to reach out to your mom. And I'm, okay, all right. And, and I didn't want to ever talk to her again, but I, I honored Marty, and I called her, and I, I, I reached out to her. And I was going to clean up my side of the street, and the Bible says it's possible with you live at peace with all men. So I called her up, and I said, Mom, I just want to call and apologize for this, this, and this. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I mean, she's got a laundry list of stuff that she did that, I mean, I wouldn't have done what I did had she not done what she did. <laughs> but I, 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 I was so selfless that I, I owned up to my stuff because I am special. I, Rob McCoy. I, I, yes, Galatians 2.20, I, I've been crucified. So I go, mom, I'm sorry for what I've done. I just want to tell you that. And I ask you if you well, I forgive you. Anything else, mom? Like, and, and what? And I'm not sure what you're alluding to. <laughs> and you know what she's doing? 
She's being used of the Lord. And, and I, I am not dead. I am irritated with the woman on the other end of the phone. I have not died. I'm not testifying to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Rob McCoy is still living. Rob McCoy is still irritated. And Rob McCoy still wants his mother to apologize for what she did. And I will get that apology out of you even if I have to feign and fake that I care. Now, do you have anything to say, mother? That was all inside my head. I never shared that verbally. The Lord says, you are not dead. And there is no witness in your testimony. You are not a martyr. You have not laid your life down. You don't care about that woman. You are not apologizing. You are there seeking her to apologize to you because you want to be right. Now die. Clean up your side of the street as it is possible with you. Live at peace with all men. And while you were yet sinners, I died for them. Now love that woman. Yes, Lord. Mom, I'm sorry. Yes. And I apologize and I ask for your forgiveness. Well, you're forgiven. Thanks, Mom. You're welcome. I miss you. And I love you. And I miss you and I love you too. And I'm sorry that this distance was between us and that I didn't call sooner. And eight months later, she'd be dead. And I'm so glad God showed me how to be a witness. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You may be you may be gifted and you may speak in tongues and you may be an eloquent preacher and you may be good at giving your opinion but you're a lousy witness because you're not dead and you're irritating and you're selfish and by the way I'm speaking to me I'm looking in a mirror I may be looking at you but I'm talking to me sinners do a better job at being who they are than Christians do at being what God's called us to be the Bible says that there were we're living epistles written on the hearts for all men and women to read and to see. How will we be a witness? We have to be an eyewitness of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. How's that possible? By saying, God, let me die and you live. You can only come to a place where you're willing to lay your life down when you lay your life down every moment. When you love somebody so much, you're willing to die to yourself and live to Christ. I, I will tell you, I hate, hate running for office. I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm done. I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. I didn't enjoy it in the assembly in a lot of regards. It was exhausting. It was painful. But you know what? In the flesh, I hate it. But in the spirit, I have learned to die 
It was, it was Winston Churchill who said, in war you die one death, in politics you die a thousand. Every letter to the editor that smacks you, every advertisement that comes out that smacks you, every Facebook post smacks you, and every time you see it, and the gossip, and the slander, and, the, and, you, and, and every time it comes at you, you want, you want to fight. And you want to get your pound of flesh. And God says, you love those people. I don't want you even talking to them until you have surrendered and you let me live because I love them. You don't do anything. You don't, you don't react. You know how hard that is? It's awful. And that's why we love to stay in our, our monastery. Because when we step out there into their world... The only way we can testify and witness is to daily die. And we are so selfish, we'd rather stay in our library and throw the bombs over the wall. And for the husbands and wives, and you only talk to kids and parents. To the kids. This idea of, of a witness and a testimony, you, you, you get frustrated with your folks. They don't know anything. They don't know what I'm dealing with. Other people care about me more than they do. They, they demand of me and they give, they give me all these rules and I, and I get frustrated with them. Well, the Bible says, honor your mother and father. It'll go well with you. You'll live long on the earth. If you learn to say, God... Let me die that you might live, that I would serve them as you served your father. Let me serve my parents. And what happens is it changes you and you start to pray for them and, and you start to realize they're not as stupid as you thought they were. Because now you're listening and, and you're gleaning. And I got news for you. You listen to your parents, you're going to be smarter than, than your generation. Parents, let me talk to you. You get irritated with your kids and you're frustrated with them because they shut down and, and, and they're distant. And here's, here's the problem. You're so alive. You're frustrated they're not taking out the trash. You're frustrated they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You're frustrated. You're frustrated. Do you realize what I've done for you? Do you realize what I've done? Has God ever talked to you that way? Has he ever put those demands on you that you put on your kids? That's not to say that we don't demand from our kids to encourage them. But the idea is, why don't you stop for a minute Instead of it being all about you and what you deserve, why not die to yourself and say, Lord, would you give me a heart to step into their world and to remember what it was like to be in junior high or high school? Being an inmate in the, inmate in the asylum and the hormonal changes and the struggles and how hard it was to communicate and the trials that we we're going through. And then you step in and you know what? Turn off your cell phone and your iPad and show somebody you care. You're so drawn to this thing because it's you. And it, I got to post to Facebook and I got to text somebody. When the somebody God wants you to be with is right in front of you. Turn it off. Look at them. Tell them you love them. And, and your flesh is going to be reaching out for that phone. Because it's touched to the umbilical cord. Just cut it. Just cut it like that. Just cut it. 
I, I would put a basket in your home. When you come in, chuck that thing in the basket. Turn it off, chuck it in the basket. Die that Christ might live. That is a witness. You start being with people. You start being Christ in your home. Christ is other-centered, not self-centered. Christ is there to serve, not to be served. Christ, witness, testimony. That transformed an entire city in Samaria. And when that woman came in, let me tell you, when she testified, first she spoke to the men. She walked in, and every man in that town probably knew her. And she had a past that everyone knew about. Her life was public and open. Five husbands, one man she was living with. She was known. And she goes back to talk to the men because all the men know her. And they knew of her past. They knew everything about her. And they saw in her somebody whose life had been transformed. What is going on with you? I met a man. Who changed my life. I don't ever want to live the way I was living. And I realize what I've done to you and everyone in this town. Everything I've ever done. And I want to live for him. And they look and they go, you're serious? Yes. This man must be remarkable. He's more than remarkable. He is the Christ, the Savior of the world. And the whole town goes out to meet him. And they turn to her and they go, we believed to come out far enough to examine, but now we believe because we've heard him. We believe for ourselves that he is the savior of the world. They believed and all Jesus ever did was speak to him. He goes into Galilee and they want a sign. They'll only believe if they can see something tangible. Show us a miracle. You've been touched by the word today. You know what's needed in the family. You want to be a witness? You're a witness every day to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Repent from your sins. Realize you've been forgiven. Forget what is behind. Strive for what is ahead. There's your family in front of you. You go ahead and crucify yourself and let Christ live. And he would love to turn off your phone and love your kids in and through you. And kids... He would love to work through you to love your parents. Husbands and wives, same thing. Co-workers, friends, neighbors. And you know what will happen? The city of Sychar in Samaria, revival. Could you imagine what would happen in Newberry Park, Thousand Oaks, in the Conejo Valley when we start to have, when we get to be witnesses? We get to live the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Repent and forgive and be forgiven. Look out. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that we speak the truth in love. We, we love to give our opinion in the church, but you called us to be witnesses that we would, we would live the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That we would live forgiven, and we would live cleansed, and we would live for others, as you, Lord Jesus, did for us. You called us to be your witnesses. We, we can't do that, Lord. We've tried, and we get frustrated, but you say, my spirit will come upon you.
All you have to do is ask. When you're laying in that bed and you think, I am tired, I deserve to sleep, I, I. And God, by your word, the testimony of your word, you say, I have been crucified. It's time for Christ to live. And we say, Lord, would you come upon me that I would die and you might live, that I would be a witness, that my wife or my husband would see the resurrected Christ in my life, and I would love like you love, that my kids would see the resurrected Christ in my life, and I would love like you love. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Fill us as we watch the water saturate the podium. Lord, saturate our life that our families would feel the presence of Christ as we die and you live, that we would be a witness, that we would testify, martyrios. We ask this power to come upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.